It's the final countdown to the death of our republic. According to our president, democracy was on the ballot this November. And if you had any common sense left inside of you whatsoever, you didn't believe a word that came out of that old man's mouth. And instead, you found whatever you could find in your city that was blue and you voted it out of office. Maybe you even voted the blue water in the bottom of your toilets out of office, whatever it was. Hopefully you did that. And today we'll look at the need for clear thinking in the face of those who are so weak and so incompetent that the only thing they can do is demonize their opponents. We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans. Yes, interest rates are skyrocketing. Perhaps we haven't even seen the ceiling for, for interest rates. And, and I know it's more expensive to buy a house right now than ever before. Well, at least in terms of interest rates. Right now, because of the interest rate hike, houses are sitting on the market longer than they ever have, which means you have the ability to bargain a little bit more with housing prices. And by the way, that's a little bit more important when you can eventually refinance somewhere down the line in the future and get a lower interest rate. So the one thing you'll, you won't be able to change is the cost of that house after you've entered into a contract, but you can change the interest rate. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead, go out, hit the market and find a new home for your family. So if you're looking for a way to secure your family's financial future by by finding a new home or investing in real estate, then, then it really is a good time to do that. And the best place to do it is with our friends over at Element Home Loans. So all you need to do is go to kevinblairteam.com today, get pre-qualified. It's totally for free and there's no gimmicks and, and all of your information will be given up front so that you can have the freedom to go find a brand new home for you and your family or create new wealth by investing in the real estate market. A lot of people are doing it right now, and it's one of the most safe and secure ways to secure your financial future. So go to kevinblairteam.com today and see how they can help you. And when you go over there, let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. By now, you are probably aware of the fact that in the past, the FDA and other forces out there in the ether demonized animal fat as the as the main cause for high cholesterol and for poor health and main you know main vector of heart disease in America and so in response to that uh, food companies and the FDA then approved and worked towards creating low fat options on the market and the FDA approved low fat to no fat foods that that actually weren't that good for you because when fat is removed from these from these foods, it makes them rather tasteless. So the way that taste was infused back into these foods is by putting sugar inside of them. And so these low fat or no fat foods actually were very high in sugar, creating another problem, obesity and diabetes. And it was all a byproduct, yes, of, of collusion among forces in our government and other places, but, but also simply a byproduct of the demonization of saturated fats. And it is that tactic that is being used a lot recently, but has been used throughout time. And it's being used because it's very effective. So you may be asking yourself, so why would a Christian do a whole podcast about the midterm elections? I'm generally not a very political person, although I do talk about politics on the show, that's obvious. But I'm not really attracted to politics, except in that political ideology forces us to put our belief into practice if even in a policy sort of way. So it's pretty clear that any pro-abortion Christian 
really hasn't been practicing their faith or doesn't care about articulately and effectively putting their faith into practice. And I think politics kind of forces us to put our money where our mouth is as Christians. We'll get into that a little bit later as we talk about our first story. But I also have this idealistic belief that politics is less about left and right in its best form and is more about ordering our beliefs into a coherent system of practice. And for that reason, politics is vitally important in that it forces us to put our beliefs into action. But more importantly, the Bible is full of politics. I don't know if you've read it recently, but it's actually pretty good. We see people desirous of power just simply for power's sake. We see evil people willing to lie for the sake of securing their own power and their own positions. We see factions resisting change, even if it would be for the better of people. And we see people in power demonizing their opponents simply out of personal gain. See, that last one actually has done a lot, and it was done to Jesus. That last one is vitally important to resist because it has also been a tactic of every mass murderer on the planet. Totalitans are notoriously passionate about their opponents because when they can't point to anything objective or morally good, what they do is they love to stir people's emotions. And there is nothing better than a devil to stir people's emotions. And totalitarians in the past have typically stirred emotions by creating a devil and then pointing to it as often as possible. Everything is the devil to you, mama! Jesus was interested in casting out demons to help others and to get rid of them. He didn't go on and on and on talking about demons because, because he had nothing to gain from finding them everywhere. He was interested in getting rid of them, not using them for political purposes. Democrats, on the other hand, aren't creating policy to get rid of evil. Rather, they welcome demons. They welcome opponents because of their skyrocketing crime rates, and they need to justify their existence. So the only thing they can do to excuse their bad policy is to try to point to enemies that actually aren't even in control of the Senate or the House at this point in time. I mean, it must really be nice to actually be a politician, to, to create a mess and then to proclaim that you can fix it. Is this not what's happening with the economy? At a recent stop in Florida, we heard that gas was down 30 cents and Biden was bragging about this. Putin's invasion of Ukraine sent gas prices soaring around the world. But because of the actions we've taken, gas prices are coming down here at home. Um, Biden wants you to believe that he is the cure for his own mess. And so what he wants to do is he'll point to ultra super saiyan MAGA level four people that don't actually exist in order to plead his case. He points to election deniers and extremists, all that are hard to define for him and even fine so that you won't notice what's lurking underneath one of the greatest flops of a presidency in recent memory. See, demonizing your opponents is a tactic that is used whenever anyone cannot use logic, debate, or even point to an objective result to plead their case. In the absence of progress, these liars create a devil and use your fears against you to extort you. What's unfortunate in all of this is not so much the dishonesty of our political leaders. That's almost a given at this point in time. We don't expect our politicians to tell the truth. Whether it's Trump or Biden, it's almost expected. What is truly unfortunate 
is how effective demonization is in deceiving people. A walk through Twitter today will reveal the likes of famous broadcasters like Dan Rather and director Rob Reiner of Princess Bride fame and, and so many more who will warn you today that democracy is on the ballot. Impending doom awaits every single person who doesn't vote blue. But the, lightest, the slightest bit of self-awareness would tell you this is all being done to cover up the mess that Biden has created. When our president says things like democracy is on the ballot and the state of our union is in jeopardy, if you don't vote blue, you can rest assured what he's saying is closer to something like this. I have destroyed this country with my incompetence and I have nothing to show for my two years in office. So the only thing I can do is lie and demonize others in the hopes that you won't pay attention to any of that. And for the vast majority of Americans today, that won't work. But unfortunately, there's enough Americans for whom that, that will be effective for. So please, let me just remind you that Biden in office over these past two years has given us the following. A failed Afghanistan withdrawal that led to the death of 13 soldiers, which probably was one of the, it's least arguable, was one of the reasons that the Ukraine war right now exists. If it weren't for a very failed, toothless withdrawal from Afghanistan, I'm not sure Russia would think that they could get away with what they're doing in the Ukraine. And as a result, it just recently cost the U.S. $750 million extra dollars in October on top of the more than $15 billion that we've already given to the country. Now, I, for one, support the Ukraine, and I don't think that foreign policy is as simple as we often make it. But let's just be really clear here. There seems to be very little endgame for the Ukraine other than pumping billions of dollars into a failed war that was created most likely because of failed foreign policy from the United States at a time where the United States desperately needs the money because the people here are suffering. Moreover, I have to talk about the economy if we're going to look at what Biden has done in the last two years. Not only is everything more expensive, gas prices are sky high. Sure, they've come down from their record, record high, but they're still incredibly high. And part of the reason for that hike is because of this Ukraine war. And if it's true that Biden is responsible for at least emboldening the Russians, who are the largest oil producers in the world, then it is directly because of Biden's policy that the economy is so out of whack. But Biden's response to this and remedy for these high gas prices was to literally go do a quid pro quo. He just recently asked the Saudis to uh, to provide more oil. And when they denied Biden this request, Biden said he's looking at sanctions for the Saudis. Now, I was correctly informed, I thought, uh, back when Trump was president, that you couldn't go to foreign governments to try to interfere with domestic elections. But of course, we all know leading up into the midterms what Biden was doing in, in Saudi Arabia by trying to get more oil. He was trying to artificially lower gas prices for a temporary period of time leading up into the midterms. And then when the Saudis said no, of course, he promised punishment. So I don't know what a quid pro quo is per se, I guess, but that sure seems like one. And then, of course, we have domestic policy. In recent memory, Biden has been better at demonizing opponents than almost anyone. And this is largely due in 
part to the fact that he has nothing of any value that he can point to on his record. The best he can do is point to a group of people that don't exist. A group of people, yeah, that may question an election, but in the meantime, people are starving, crime rates are skyrocketing, all as a result of democratic policy all over the United States. So whether or not somebody questions an election, and by the way, chief among them would be Hillary Clinton, I think is irrelevant compared to the much more important issues that are facing us here in America. But of course, demonizing is a great tactic to avoid all of that. And let me tell you why demonizing is, is crucially important. First of all, demonizing diminishes actual demons. If we can demonize things that aren't actually a real issue, then nothing becomes demonic. So it's like this with race. If everything is racism, then nothing is racism. It loses its, its power to consider everything demonic. And if we're going to look at just people who might question whether or not Biden is a legitimate president, um, and forget the fact that babies being mutilated in the womb and children being butchered in gender clinics all over the United States, whether it be through actual full body plastic surgery that is completely experimental or through the use of experimental off-label hormones. If we don't have time to demonize those things that are actually attacking children, then we might actually be diminishing what demonic actually looks like. And second of all, de demonizing is problematic because it attempts to moderate opposition. We all know that the real reason Biden is demonizing opponents is that he wishes to create a category of deplorables so that people will try to leave that category as quickly as possible because there's still enough of a semblance of Christian virtue inside of this nation and inside of its people that they don't want to be evil. They don't want to be seen as the bad guy in the story. So whenever our president stands up and tries to create a group of bad guys among us, People will try to run as quickly away from that category as they possibly can. But I'm just going to tell you, if misusing and abusing race and race hustling um, is, is a good thing, and if abusing children in the womb and outside of the womb is a good thing, well then, call me a demon, because we're living in the upside down, and we need to call it out. Let me remind you that you don't have to be a moderate to be civil. In fact, you can't be moral if you're a moderate in some positions. There are some things that demand that you vehemently oppose your opponents and passionately stand up for what you believe in. You need to be able to do that, but you don't have to be a moderate to be civil. You can speak to people in a respectful way and you can live your life in a way that also deserves respect but you don't have to be a moderate to do that. You can stand up for what you believe in, regardless of if people want to demonize you for doing it. They did it to Jesus, and by the way, they'll do it to you too. This is why we can't fall for the tactic of demonization. And as we look at our stories today and even look at some of the elections that are on the ballot this November, I hope you won't fall for it as you go to cast your vote. So let's jump into our stories. Now, before we look at some of these elections that are key examples of demonization where supposedly democracy is on the ballot, I want you to look at a survey that was recently done by Lifeway and was covered by the Christian Post. And it says churchgoers wish to go to politically homogeneous churches. 
And the article goes on to say, as voters prepare to cast their ballots for the midterm elections, a recent study shows that most Protestants prefer to attend a church where the congregation's political views align with theirs. According to a study released Tuesday by LifeWay Research, an organization that surveys ongoing trends in church ministries, 50% of non-Catholics surveyed in the U.S. prefer to attend a political homogeneous church, while 41% disagreed and 10% were uncertain. At least 55% of participants believe they are attending a church that shares their political views. Fewer than a quarter disagreed, which is 23%, or they just weren't sure, which is 22%. So essentially the idea is this, is that uh, about half of Christians in the United States said, and a little bit more than that, said that they wish to go to churches with people who share their political beliefs. So that's that's simply the study. Now, I want to make a mention of why I think that's important here in just a moment, or at least why that's the secondary story and not the most important story. Uh, but I also, in the, in the study, I thought this was vitally important as we think about casting our ballots and we think about what a Christian actually looks like in light of our present political climate. Um, because the story went on to say this, 36% of Democrats think people should go to church regularly, and 65% of Republicans agreed with that statement. Now, the reason I brought up that statistic is to show you that there's a sharp disagreement politically between Democrats and Republicans. Because by and large, the conservative side of the aisle agrees largely with, with biblical imperatives. So, so what I mean to bring up, why I bring this stuff up before we jump into any of the other stuff is just simply this, is that we need churches, regardless of the makeup of the congregation, is we need churches full of Christians who place scriptural truth before their political ideology and then allow their political ideology to be run by scripture. This is why the vast majority of Republicans are actually Christians, because conservative belief coincide with Christian belief much more commonly than democratic ones do. So what's actually going to happen is if a church and a pastor preaches the scripture, what will happen is they will create uh, a, a homogeneous kind of culture uh, within their church just simply based upon the fact that they are preaching the truth of God's word. And there will be a lot more people who leave that church because most people aren't intellectually honest enough to go to a church that fundamentally disagrees with their politically held beliefs if it is in line with scripture. People typically hold on to their political ideology and place it in such a high regard on the left that they don't allow that to, uh, to, co to conflict with their, with their biblical thinking. So what, in point of fact, will happen is that when pastors actually preach the truth, it will create congregations, by and large, made up of people who have more conservative-leaning beliefs, just simply because of the fact that the Bible preaches conservative beliefs, and conservatism in and of itself is a reclamation of things, conserving, bringing things back from the past that need to be valued in the present. So, of course, there is going to be a correlation between conservatism and Christianity. Now, again, that is within the, the confines of knowing that biblical truth supersedes political ideology. Now, while we're hearing a lot that Republicans are having this problem because they've been blinded by the Trump factor, the reality is, is the left has always had this problem. And when they can't point to policies that 
that actually coincide with Christian faith, even though many of them claim to be Catholic, what they actually do is they demonize their opponents rather than to reconsider their their political beliefs based upon their, their spiritual beliefs. So as we jump into these races, I hope we'll see today that demonizing is always the, the tactic for those who wish to obscure the truth rather than to tell the truth. So first, let's jump into the New York race with Kathy Hochul and Lee Zeldin, because I think this is really, really interesting that what may be about to happen is that a Republican is going to be nominated as the governor of New York, which, as we all know, is a largely blue state. And part of the reason for this change is just simply because of the crime that's going on in uh, in New York City, especially right now. And in response to rising crime rates, this is what Kathy Hochul had to say. From this, this governor, who still, to this moment, we're at, what are we, halfway through the debate? She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Okay. Anyone is- who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important. Yeah, why are you even concerned? about people that are being attacked and cars that are being robbed and people who are being murdered. What, why does that concern you so much? Like, why is that a big deal? This is the let them eat cake moment for Kathy Hochul and perhaps the reason that really will lose her this, this race. Because, of course, she, she seems to be saying something like, I have private security. There's no issue with me. I've never been attacked. Why don't they just get private security? Well, of course, people, the average person out in New York is experiencing the repercussions of liberal policy. Thankfully, back in the day when people like Giuliani took over the state, they were able to crush the crime rate in New York City. And with the help of Democrats, that's being undermined. So let me take you back just a little bit to show you what happened under Rudy Giuliani. So according to data from the New York City Police Department, major felony offenses declined by 62.3% from 93 the year before Giuliani took office to 2001, Giuliani's last year. Major crimes include the seven major felony offenses, murder, manslaughter, rape, robbery, felony assault, burglary, grand larceny, and a grand larceny of a motor vehicle. Major crimes continued to decline under Giuliani's successor, which was Mike Bloomberg, who we all know is a rather left-leaning guy, but he ran as a Republican under the time, at the time. Uh, under de Blasio and Hochul, there has been, however, an upswing in gun violence and murder in 2020, according to police department data. There have been 166 murders in New York City in 2020 through June 21. And that's nearly 24% higher than the 134 murders over the same period last year. Over a 28-day period ending June 21st, there were 34 murders, roughly 48% higher than the 23 over the same year and 28-day period last year. According to the New York Times, the number of shootings in the first three weeks of June surged from 125, more than double the number over the same three-week period last year. So let me say something just a little bit cynical about all of this. It's very clear that de Blasio and Hochul are responsible for at least not tamping down the rhetoric and the heated nature of things in New York City and crime rates have skyrocketed. This happened also to back in Giuliani's day and Giuliani was able to crush crime because of Republican policies. And this may be a little bit cynical, but 
the reality is that there is a cyclical nature to these kind of things. This happens so often in, in, our, in our nation because we don't learn from our mistakes. What typically happens is we get used to prosperity, we get used to peace in our time that's typically given to us as, as a result of Republican policies. And then we think to ourselves, well, the flowery rhetoric of the Democrats make a lot of sense right now given our prosperity. So let's get a Democrat back in office and not these hard-nosed Republicans. Then the people will elect a Democrat and then things will get really, really bad to the point where people realize that they would like some normalcy back in their life and so they vote Republican again. And this cycle happens over and over and over again. By the way, it happens in the Bible very often. People need God's help. They cry out for it. God helps them and rescues them from their plight. And then uh, they have prosperity for a while. They go back to worshiping idols and going back to killing each other. And then they cry out to God and God has to come back into their aid. Now, far be it from me to suggest that Republicans are any type of God-like figure. But what I, what I do want to recognize is this, is that demonizing the other side um, and, and just the use of mere rhetoric to try to demonize the other side actually costs human lives. So a vote for compassion is one that cares about crime, that cares about not necessarily making um, punishments lighter and leaner upon people who are doing evil things and releasing people back into the public after they've committed an aggravated crime. Demonizing another is a recipe for complete destruction. And while Hochul wants to demonize Republicans for being tough on crime, her leniency on crime is actually costing people their property and costing people their lives. So don't fall for the demonization of uh, Republicans as tough on crime and uncaring and unsympathetic to the plight of people, because the real sympathetic plight would be to uh, those law-abiding citizens who live in fear now in New York City. And then I want to bring you to one more race right now in uh, Pennsylvania because Fetterman and Oz are in a neck-and-neck -neck race. Um, we'll see what happens later this evening. But uh, Fetterman has been doing the best that he can to make sure that people do not vote for him. Uh, just recently in a public debate, the only one that he agreed to, uh, much after, by the way, uh, some of those mail-in ballots were already mailed in in the state, which was done on purpose. Uh, much after that, there was a public debate held with Oz and Fetterman, and Ed Fetterman absolutely, um, absolutely failed. And uh, in order to, I guess, make up for that, he had a public appearance on CNN with Don Lemon, and here's what that sounded like. What do you think the biggest cause of inflation is, and should the Biden administration be doing more? No, I, I just do. I, I think the, uh, that simply is also, Leah, that's talk about the trillions in, in massive tax uh, tax uh, cuts to the corporate uh, tax uh, structure as well. True. You know, trillions of dollars that have added to the deficit. And and now they still want to support those as well. True. So as you can tell, Fetterman did not do really great that day. Um, so a couple of things here. So why do Democrats have to run a quasi functioning vegetable to maybe lose to a Republican. That might say something of the quality of candidates that Republicans are running, but it also says something about the fact that most people will vote according to party lines rather than voting with their heads. And this is the frustrating thing. Demonization works because people are gullible. 
all our president has to do is create a category that you don't want to be in and extort you by saying, if you don't want to be in that category, vote for, for me and vote Democrat. And people fall for that stuff rather than saying, well, explain that category and who's actually in that category. And what does it mean to be in that category? Well, it's people who deny elections. Well, OK, you know, maybe there are some people who deny some elections, but I don't think there is anybody in the United States who denies all elections. And if they do, so what? There's such a fringe few group of people. They're hardly going to risk democracy. This is all an attempt to try to extort a group of people who, frankly, are gullible enough to believe it. And for some of those gullible people, there may not be much hope. But I do believe of better, that, that we can look beyond some of the rhetoric of our political class and we can actually get to pure policy and important positions that truly will matter to the American public. And I'll say in closing, as a Christian, I'm, I'm a foremost expert on the demonic, more so than Joe Biden, pushing aside the voices he hears in his head. He can stick to hair aroma. He's an expert there, but allow me to kind of pontificate about the Bible uh, enough to say that there's some issues that we need to focus on that can help us all. Jesus was a pretty polarizing figure, but he didn't demonize his opponents. He sometimes was very critical of his own followers as well. The reason he didn't make the fatal flaw of demonizing his opponents was because that would be to suggest something deeply troubling, that only one side has demons to fight. And that there's not a little demon inside of all of us. No, I don't mean that we're all possessed, but I mean that all of us have a tendency toward the sinful. All of us have issues, and to blame others shifts the blame so that we don't have to be more honest about what we see in the mirror. Many get this wrong when they see Jesus going after religious leaders. They assume, oh, well, Jesus hated institutional religion, and he hated organized religion. Jesus butted heads with religious leaders because they were some of the most powerful people needed, and they needed to be held accountable, not because Jesus hated religion, but because everyone was fair game, especially if they are willing merely to point fingers more so than point them back at themselves. In this way, mocking the church and institutional religion is actually part of the problem because you're casting blame rather than looking in a mirror. It could keep us from taking responsibility for ourselves. I'll never forget this epic rant by Iron Man before he was Iron Man when Robert Downey Jr. came to the defense of Mel Gibson. Check it out. Actually, I asked Mel to present uh, this award to me for a reason, because when I couldn't get sober, he told me not to give up hope, and he urged me to find my faith. Didn't have to be his or anyone else's as long as it was rooted in forgiveness. And I couldn't get hired, so he cast me in the lead of a movie that was actually developed for him, and he kept a roof over my head, and he kept food on the table. And most importantly, he said that if I accepted responsibility for my wrongdoings, and if I embraced that part of my soul that was ugly, uh, hugging the cactus, he calls it, he said that if I hugged the cactus long enough, I'd become a man of some humility and that my life would take on a new meaning. And I did, and it worked. Um, all he asked in return was that uh, someday I help the next guy in some small way. Uh, it's reasonable to assume that at the time he didn't imagine the next guy would be him. <laughs> Uh, 
or that someday was tonight. So anyway, on this special occasion, and in light of the recent holidays, including Columbus Day, I humbly ask that you join me, unless you are completely without sin, in which case you picked the wrong industry, in forgiving my friend his trespasses, offering him the same clean slate you have me, and allowing him to continue his great and ongoing contribution to our collective art without shame. He's hugged the cactus long enough. Demonization is irresponsible because it points the finger but doesn't look in the mirror. This seems to be what Biden is really after and other Democrats are after this election season. But don't make the same mistake. There's just one bucket at the end of the day. There's not a left bucket or a right bucket. There's just one bucket. It's the bucket of humanity. And we're all in that thing together. It's there that we realize we can't blame other people for our problems or pretend that we are without sin. Now, we can all call out sin regardless of the sin that's in our life, but it's helpful if we can see what's inside of us too. By the way, that's pretty hard. We all have blind spots. And one of the real ways to open your eyes beyond your wife calling you out on your crap is to go to God and to get supernatural help to open your eyes to see what you're blind to. That's why you need him. All of us have to be accountable for our own actions. The sooner we get politicians who are willing to be honest about that, the better. And those kind of politicians are the ones you should vote for this Tuesday. The ones who wish to manipulate you by demonizing other people and giving you a convenient person to blame are always the ones who are trying to take the easy way out. So as you go to the polls today, vote for a person who is willing to talk about the issues and just not just demonize their opponents. All right, I hope that was helpful. If it was, make sure to comment below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and make sure to go with God. Thanks for watching.